Alright, shit fits. Episode 148 with Luca from Vigor Ground Fitness is about to start, and I'm super excited about this episode because I've had my eye on Luca's career for a while, and I saw him go from a small little garage gym to now a 10,000 square foot facility out in Seattle. And this guy is going to go to places above and beyond what any entrepreneur in the fitness industry has done. So I'm super excited to get him, well, got him on my show and asked him a lot of questions about not only about business, but also life. And the way that Luca talks, he just has this like wide range of view when it comes to life. And I'm really excited to get this episode. So without further ado, here's Luca. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and today joining me is Luca. Say hello. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, so really quick, uh, I like to break the ice in the very beginning of every single episode and ask my guests, what you got planned for the weekend? Uh, actually, this weekend, uh, I have a good friend in town, Jay Ferusha. If uh, anybody loves podcasts, they might know of him, the Renegade Radio. Uh, but, but he has his mastermind out here in uh, Seattle, and uh, I help him uh, out with that coaching and stuff. So we got a lot of stuff planned uh, with that. And uh, we're also doing a big, big charity event uh, with live DJs and all types of stuff uh, for after school all-stars. Uh, so we're going to be putting that together on Saturday morning. Um, and then the rest is going to be filled with coaching and activities uh, pretty much. So busy, busy, busy weekend, uh, but, but exciting weekend. That's awesome. And you're located in Seattle, correct? Uh, yeah, the gym, I mean, the gym is in Renton, which is okay. about about 10 to 12 minutes from downtown seattle nice. um but that would be considered greater seattle so <laughs> nice. easier easier to understand <laughs> yeah so what's the thing to do in seattle if someone went to visit and had no clue what to do what would you suggest to them i mean it's you know the pacific northwest is beautiful and, and seattle is beautiful and it really kind of comes down to what somebody likes to do i mean me personally i'm i love food so i'm definitely going to as many restaurants as possible and there is a lot of amazing restaurants um, out in Seattle. And then, uh, you know, there's there's obviously there's so many great hikes that are pretty damn close. So if you like the outdoors, uh, doing hikes, you know, being on the water. So going to Alki Beach, if, you know, right now it's, uh, you know, kind of turning into summer. Uh, so Alki Beach is sandy, pretty much beach if on the other side um, of the water. And you're looking, you know, straight downtown, beautiful skyline. Um, I would definitely hit that doing going to something like Rashawn Island. I mean, there's 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 just so many things to do. Um, it, it's a you know you got rivers, lakes, mountains, um, but you also got amazing restaurants. You know, tons of different areas to go to that are cool. Um, hanging out on the lake in, in different parts, whether it's going to Kirkland or going to you know Coolon uh, Beach Park. I mean, there's just like I said, so many things to do. It really kind of is. Uh, you know, choose your own adventure depending on, on what, you, what you like doing. Awesome. Yeah, like, I live out in Vancouver, and, like, Vancouver and Seattle are pretty similar, and anytime I travel around the world, I always, like, kind of get homesick because I'm like, I miss the mountains, I miss the ocean, I miss all the lakes and all the trees. It's, I mean, you know, I, I, in the summer, really, like, for instance, I travel a ton, but this summer I'm barely traveling, 
And but really, it's because I love staying here in the summer because such, it's such a beautiful place. Uh, you know, people will say some. What about the rain? Um, which I, I have my, my thoughts about that. But in the summer, you don't see pretty much any, almost any rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just the best place to be so much. I mean, like I said, I love outdoorsy stuff. I, I love nature. So just like, uh, you know, Vancouver, same thing. is You want, you can be outdoors so much, doing so many different things um, that it never runs out. And I've been here for 11 years now. There's, there's you know, plenty of things I, I still got to do. So are you the fan of the rain or are you just like okay with it? <laughs> well, I, I don't mind it. I'm not I'm not a fan of it, but um I don't mind it. And uh, I think that I mean one it's like I, li- I live on a lake so every morning when I, when I drive out my garage um and you know I look at the lake and it's like it's you know it's, it's nice when it's sunny, it's nice when it's snowing, it's nice when it's raining. I mean it it doesn't matter like beauty, you know, you have beauty in every different thing. So I don't get annoyed by it at all. I, I would say the only time, uh, you know, if, let's say if it's gloomy or rainy for longer periods, I'll usually fly out to California for, for a long weekend <laughs> to get some vitamin vitamin D and sun. But, like, that's the thing that, um, I, you know, it, it doesn't rain as much as people think it does, number one. Number two, um, I, I still think it's an amazing place with that. And, you know, and when it when it's nice, it's the nicest place around. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't get too stressed. I always tell you know say that like, if somebody's so affected by the weather, like crazy affected by the weather, maybe there's other uh, things going on in their life. You know what I mean? That that could be yeah. improved upon. But it's, it's like, oh man, the weather's killing me. Uh, you know, I, I think that's uh, that's not necessarily like my top priority on what affects my mood. So I'm kind of curious in Seattle because, like, out here in Vancouver, we have similar kind of weather. And the funny thing out here, it's like the moment it rains too much, everyone's complaining about the rain. And then the moment we get sun, everyone's like, oh, my God, finally the sun's here. But then after a couple of days of, like, continuous sun, everyone's like, oh, my God, it's too hot. We need the rain. It's like, it's like you can't pick or choose. <laughs> no, exa- exactly. You know, and this kind of brings to that uh... – you know, to, to that kind of mindset philosophy around, you know, people, it's like focus, right? Like you search for, you'll find evidence of whatever you're searching for. So you want to, you know, find negative stuff, you'll find it. You want to find positive things, you'll find it, right? You want to, uh, if it's, if it's a sh- if shitty weather when it rains, but then it's really shitty when it's too hot, you know, for too long, it's like, all right, what, what do you want? Right. Um, and I, I think that's a trait, you know, like I, I actually look for that, um, in, uh, and people in general, but let's say if, if we're bringing on interns or coaches or anything like that, I'm looking at that. You know, does does what does a person look for? Do they look for solutions? Do they look for positive things? Um, you know, do they look for lessons and learning and they're curious, or are they you know looking for the negative, looking for what's wrong, looking looking for uh, you know how something can't be done, right? Because the reality is most people. Um, like for most people, it's like they're 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 going in the direction of their focus, right? And their focus is usually not the positive, is not the you know search for a solution, not the um, you know the best part of stuff. Because like I said, on a rainy day, there's a lot of beautiful things, but you can focus on that all day, right? No, really well said, and that was gold. And before we get ahead of ourselves, I would love to get like an intro from you because you are brand new to my podcast. So can you tell the audience who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry in the first place? 
Ooh, that could be a long. That could be a long one, but I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it as, sh- as short as I, I can. Um, I'm uh, I'm uh, the owner of uh, Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance, which is a 10,000 square foot. Well, actually, it's a little smaller, but the building we own is, is 10,000 plus square feet uh, up in, in in Renton, where we integrate everything from obviously training uh, with nutrition, uh, with lifestyle changes, and we offer group training. We offer uh, small group personal training, semi-private training, athlete training. Um, and we've been in Seattle now uh, for just about, ten, like actually just, we're, we're about to have our official, I guess, 10-year anniversary um, coming up in, a, in the next couple months. And uh, I, But I started uh, the first gym. I used to, you know, I, I come from Slovenia. I was born and raised in Yugoslavia before the war, turned into Slovenia after, uh, afterwards for, for where I'm from. You know, basketball is a big part of my life, and basketball was also took me to the U.S., um, went to college uh, in the U.S., went uh, to play professional afterwards. And then in that process of, you know, playing ball and st- staying, uh, 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 playing ball, actually, I started, uh, I would say, diving into coaching and fitness. And like I said, I'm speeding this up a little. We can dig in deeper if, if uh, uh, later on, but... That that led me into you know fitness and being a coach and we actually started the uh, the first gym that opened was in Slovenia which was almost uh, going on I think uh, 13 years now and uh, that was kind of my start in in uh, the fitness industry that that gym started growing I ended up moving to the U S uh, because I got married here in the U S and uh, started from scratch started you know out of LA Fitness and and Vision Quest and then opened my own little garage gym uh, and that was literally about 10 years ago. And from that little garage gym, we went to a 5,000-square-foot facility. Um, from that 5,000-square-foot facility, we now I ended up buying a building that was over 10,000 square feet. We ripped it apart and put in what is today Vic Ground Fitness and Performance. Um, but besides being the owner, coach, and, and kind of the person behind uh, Vic Ground, I also have a, a Vic Ground Fitness business coaching. It's a consulting business for uh, for gym owners helping them scale their business through marketing, sales, fulfillment, systems, uh, leadership. And uh, I have a couple other companies that, that uh, are not related to fitness, some real estate and some other stuff. But um, like I said, my, my whole life has been either sport or it's been fitness. And like I said, that was a very, very sped up, uh, I would say, rendition of it because I can talk uh, a good amount. But uh, I want to make sure that we touch on a lot, a lot of things. Yeah, of course. Um, so I would kind of want to know what kind of made you decide that, you know what, I'm going to start my own gym. You know, I've been doing this training thing long enough that I feel that I can test my business skills. Like what was like the driving passion behind you opening up your own facility? I mean, uh, initially, so when we were in Slovenia initially, right, it it truly was a gut feeling. Um, you know, at that point in time, it was, it was kind of like this weird transition for me because I was still playing ball. But um, I started training some, you know, some whole teams for as far as athletes go. Um, had some other clients. This group that we were training out in the woods started growing, um, and I was in this, you know, weird kind of phase because I was I was basically at the tail end of deciding that I'm not going to play professional basketball anymore. So there was like a bit of an identity. There was more than a bit of an identity crisis of you know who am I if I'm not a, um, an athlete. And, um, but you know, and I was fortunate enough to where this, the training started pulling me, um, you know, and 
and just to kind of keep some background. I mean, I started, you know, lifting weights when I was 14 years old. So I was, I was really into training. I read books. I studied. Uh, I practiced under some of the top track coaches. I mean, you know, I was so into fitness because it, fitness helped me, be, you know, go from the scrawny kid to uh, being strong, being able to dunk it and all these great things. So I was always chasing this performance um, in, in basketball, which is what led me to, you know, study a lot of training before I ever became a coach. And, and I studied really, really, really hard without ever wanting to necessarily, you know, I, I studied to get better at my sport and have better performance, not necessarily to become a coach, but underlyingly it kind of led to that. Um, so, you know, with that said, there was just this pull, like I really enjoyed coaching people. Um, and I didn't, at that point in time, I wasn't really making any money from it or, or like a minimal amount. Uh, cause I was, you know, still playing basketball, but, um, I just remember one day uh, as as things were growing. So the group in a, you know the park went from like four people to twelve people to fifteen people to you know so many people inquiring, um, and just the feedback through all the people I was coaching was like re- I mean really good. I ended up even writing an article for this uh, one magazine that ended up going pretty big, and and so then people were starting to come in and say, hey, like you're the guy who wrote an article, I want to train with you, and it was. A little bit of like, you know, I, I guess I heard the message because I, I, I knew that I was going to kind of step away from ball, but I was, you know, I was coaching hours and hours a day uh, without pretty much almost getting paid and I was loving it. And I just had this gut feeling. I was like, you know what, like we, we got to do something. That's when I went to my brother and said, hey, look, I think like not I think like I feel we have to, you know, open a spot. And um, it took me months to convince him at that point in time. And then the first the first uh, place we got was actually a room. It was like a 470 square foot room. Uh, but then really quick after that, in uh, we kind of had to upgrade to about 2,000 square feet, and then it grew from there. But it, it truly was a gut feeling. I mean, and and the, the reason why I say this is because you know in Slovenia at that point in time, uh, there literally was no personal training industry. Like I mean, it, or put it, if you were if you were a personal trainer or anything like that, like you had to have a full time job, you know. So there's no one even to look up to and say, hey, you know, there's this person in this country or this gym in this country. Everything was big big box gyms. Uh, there literally was no other gyms like that at that point in time. And um, so everybody was like, well, that's there's no market for that. There's, you know, it's not going to work. And I just had, I mean, that's the best way to describe it is like this gut feeling of like if you don't do this, you're going to regret it. Um, and I keep kept pushing for it. And so that's how that started. So I knew, you know, then obviously, uh, I wanted to have a gym, but I had to make a tough decision. You know, do I stay in Slovenia, go back to the U S um, and because I was married, it was less of a cultural, I guess, not even shock, but just adjustment for me to go back to the U S and live there. Well, but that was then hard because I left that gym behind, um, uh, which now today, you know, is ran by my brother to my best friends and uh, and it is like the number one gym in the country for, you know, transformations and performance. Um, but I ended up coming to the U.S. and starting from scratch. And, of course, you know, I, nobody knew me. And, uh, I didn't have any kind of doors open or anything. So I just did what was uh, available, which was at that point in time, like L.A. Fitness. Um, you know, and, but the whole time, the whole time that, that um, you know, when I, when I came here, I wanted to do the same thing. And I, I was like, man, I want to open a gym. Like, that's what I've been wanting to do. Uh, so, so I knew that decision now after working at big box gyms for, I think it was like about two years is when I pulled the trigger, um, on getting the little garage, but same thing. It was just, 
uh, it was a gut feeling because the timing was actually not good at all because that was 2008, uh, which was obviously the year of the recession. And, and so everything just went to shit, you know, and, and, and I, the, the gut was talking to me again, like, all right, like this is it. And, and I legitimately would be anxious, like massively anxious around, uh, you know, every day that I didn't make that decision to, to take that space. Um, and once again, you know, it's, it's like you, the risks weren't massive. You know, some, I guess that's, that's one of the important things that uh, I'd like to point out is that, like, you know, I'm a big believer in, like, starting with little and you know, growing out of it, building out of it. You know what I mean? Um, so with that said, like, when we started in Slovenia, it was, you know, I don't know, three $4,000 investment. Or uh, when, uh, when I opened up a, you know, a small garage gym here, it wasn't this massive investment. It wasn't you know, getting a loan for hundreds of thousands of dollars or uh, this, that, or the other, which I see some people doing that sometimes may be a mistake. Like I said, not, not, not always depending on what you, uh, what type of business you're opening, but, you know, it was like starting small, building back up, but nonetheless, it was, you know, an investment and a, and a, and a risk. Um, but it was always the gut saying, you know, or like some people call it a lot of different things, the gut, the voice, whatever. You just, you just had this like epiphany, whatever it may be, but it, it really was that it was, uh, it was it, it's essentially like, just call it me like, man, make the, you know, do this until you don't, I'm going to be putting a screwdriver in your stomach and making you feel it, you know? So now like the other thing I would want to bring up is like your experience immigrating to the States. Cause like for me, like I immigrated from Poland and it was kind of a culture shock for me. So I'm kind of curious what your experience was. Because, well, the thing is I, it, it, it was a culture shock to, uh, to a degree, but see my, I, I, tr- I had traveled my whole life. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, from the time I think I was three or four years old, you know, our dad would take us on, on trips to different countries and whatnot. But, uh, when I was seven, when we moved to London, um, and so, cause I was born, born and raised in, you know, I mean, pretty much socialism. Uh, and I, and I can't remember the year it was, so it was, let me see, 81. So I think it was 88, uh, ended up, ended up moving to London and lived there for three and a half, four years. So that, you know, so that was my initial actually culture shock. Um, you know, when I was, when I was younger, where I went from, you know, a place where you don't have a lot of, uh, I would say different ethnicities and, and uh, certainly different religion, yes, but different ethnicities and just a lot of different, uh, you know, different people and kind of melting pot, you know. So when I went to London, that was that, whoa, you know, that big culture shock. And I, I adapted to that when I was very, very young, um, you know, from learning the new language to becoming, I mean, obviously I lived there for long enough to be, to feel like, you know, I was, I was, I was British essentially for a little bit. And, uh, you know, then we came back when I was 11 years old, same thing, you know, in that time frame, traveled a lot. And then when I was 18 uh, is when I moved to the U.S. And I visited the U.S. before that. Um, but then I moved in, um, while it was, it was certainly a culture shock, it was just like 24-7 living. Uh, it, it, it definitely wasn't uh, as big because I've had, I have had, um, like I said, traveled so much and been in so many different countries and uh, and cultures. And so it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't too bad, but like, you know, once again, it, it's, it's like anything else It's exposure, right? I had exposure. If you think about, 
uh, I don't know, you know, training, right? There's strain and, and, uh, and then you adapt. And I just was exposed to so much of those different things that once I, I got here, it wasn't that big of a shock. Okay, fair enough. And I'm also kind of curious of what your kind of like typical day looks like, because you mentioned that you have this amazing, successful gym, a business mentorship, and some other like side projects. So like, what is, how does your day look like? Like, what time do you wake up? What time do you go to sleep? And how many hours a day do you work? Um, at this point, I mean, right now my day is, it, it can be, it can be so different. Um, but I'll, I'll just break down an average day. I mean, most of the time, um, you know, I don't, I don't get up crazy early for a very, very long time. Uh, I slept very, very little. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a night owl. So I would go to sleep late and then in the days where I had to wake up at 445, you know, to run that the first team training sessions, um, you know, I'd be getting three hours of sleep maybe. Um, and for a long time. So, so nowadays I wake up usually like, you know, seven thirty, seven. um, some days even eight, depending on when I go to sleep. And, and from there, I use, I have a morning ritual that I do. And it's just a combination of getting up, doing some mobility drills. Uh, I mean, for many reasons, cause that's just a healthy thing to do. You know, movement hygiene is, is certainly a, a thing to be consistent with every day, but also, uh, I had a, a bad back injury like seven years ago. And so, you know, if, if I do all my mobility drills, I have, I'm pretty much completely asymptomatic. I don't, you know, I, I don't have nagging issues. Uh, if I don't do it for a while, uh, it starts, you know, it's popping up and flaring up. So, uh, for, you know, obviously multiple reasons, um, is why I do that. And then usually while I do that, uh, which will take me, you probably about 10 minutes most time, most of the day. Sometimes it's even shorter, five, sometimes a little longer. But um, while I'm doing that, I will listen to either podcast or audiobook or uh, something motivational. Uh, so, you know, the key, like for me, it's really like as I start my day, like what am I going to feed my brain? And not only that, like what type of mood am I going to be in? So if I listen to something inspiring or something that's educating me right off the bat, I'm spending, you know, those first 15 minutes, 10, 15, 20 minutes, um, engulfed in, uh, positivity. And that, you know, that, that gives you uh, direction. Like, like, like I said earlier, right. What you focus on grows, or should I say what you focus on is you focus more of and, and do. So, uh, I start there, I make myself uh, a morning smoothie and then I'll read, uh, and I only read for about in the morning. I only read for about 15 to 20 minutes because whatever I'm reading, I just want to get to a, uh, like an epiphany or just, let's just say a revelation, right? So whatever, let's say I'm reading a business book. Like once I get to the first aha, like I'm going to take that note and then I'm done reading. Um, because my goal then will be to apply what I, what I learned rather than to continue to read. But that's, that's my morning one. And, um, after that, if, you know, if I, usually if I have time, I'll do lay on a bed of nails, which is just like this, not a true real bed of nails. It's this, uh, little carpet that they, that gives you, I mean, it, it feels like little spikes, but for me, it's really relaxing and I kind of do a little bit of meditation or if the weather is nice, I'll walk the park. Um, so, which is about a 25, 30 minute loop. And when I do that same thing, I'll listen to, listen to podcasts, listen to audio, book, listen to something, but pretty much. Um, you know, in the morning is like, I, first of all, I, I start moving. So I feel better. Uh, my joints feel better. 
I get, you know, kind of my mind woken up. From there, I want, I want to feed my, my brain something positive, my mind something positive. I'm going to have a smoothie that's going to have a lot of basically nutrients in them and start my day on the right foot with that. And then I'm going to get a re- revelation from something that I'm studying. Um, and like I said, if, if, um, if, if time per- permits or depending on how you know, crazy and scheduled my day is, I'll also uh, go for a walk. And, and like I said, we talked about nature. That's one of those things. Like if I can get a you know 30-minute, 40-minute walk in nature every day, um, I mean even 20, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and I, I start off on the right foot. So that'll usually be my morning, my morning ritual. And, and from there, I mean once I hit the ground running, I pretty much just go all day. And um, the, the time between you know 9 or 10 a.m. till about 2 is blocked. And I say blocked off, I mean – in, in that time frame, a lot of different things happen, but usually it's going to be some form of creation, meaning I'm writing an email to my list, I'm, um, I'm doing a webinar for my business coaching clients, I'm, uh, you know, team, team in staff meetings, blog posts, social media stuff, uh, shooting, shooting my podcast with Gene or shooting videos with Gene. They're going to go on social media platforms. Um, so that block is kind of made for creation. Uh, then... At 2 o'clock, I usually I'll have an actual meeting meeting, whether it's with um, somebody from my team, you know, uh, front desk manager, operational manager, sales, uh, and, and you know, figure out, like, what do we need to do? Where are some bottlenecks? Is, what are my responsibilities this week? There, uh, there so on and so forth. And uh, around, like, right now, at around 3, I'm coaching uh, a lot of the uh, basketball athletes from Renton High School. So I'll do that for about an hour and a half. Uh, from there, I'm, I'm doing something uh, connected to the gym, which means I'm either on the floor, overseeing the coaches, mingling with uh, with with clients, um, and then when six o'clock rolls around, two days a week, uh, two to three days a week, actually, I'm I'm, I'm still coaching, doing uh, small groups, not uh, by choice. I mean, not not because I have to be on a schedule, it's because I, I I love coaching still, and I still want to do some uh, some coaching throughout the week. Once that's done, I'll usually get my training session in pretty late. So I actually train pretty damn late, like 7.38. Um, and then after that, I'll either still work at the office or go home, you know, uh, make some food and, and, and still do some work. And usually it's going to be either educating myself, uh, creating content, uh, something like that, and then I'll read. But it's, it's, it's long days. I mean, I love what I do. So uh you know, I, I can't really complain because I could choose to not do as much, but uh, it's it's all by choice. But it's it's a mix of a lot of different things. Everything from, uh, like I said, like creating for the different businesses, content in some form or another. Um, either it's meetings with, you know, the I would say the most important people, which are, which is my team, which is you know uh, people I outsource things to, uh, and things of that nature. Still coaching sessions every day. Still doing things like in staffs or sit downs with, with, with coaches, depending on what they need, uh, you know, talking to clients, finding out more about that, maybe even having a couple of strategy sessions uh, for people that are more unique. And what I mean by that is like maybe somebody has got had a really bad injury. I might sit down with them um, to develop a plan for their, uh, their rehab and their transformation. And then it's back finishing off work. Cause I mean, it's, it's just like a lot, a lot of stuff to do. And, you know, when, when entrepreneurs, I mean, there is no schedule. I mean, the cool thing is that for sure that, you know, um, 
I think that's definitely a big misconception about like, oh, you can do anything anywhere. Uh, but but that's not really true. I mean, the cool thing is I, I can take time off when I want to. Um, but the vast majority of the time, I don't take time off. Uh, and I and I work a lot, uh, you know, still. Damn, those are some long days. But um, I'm kind of curious to figure out, like, where does your work ethic come from? Because I, I don't know if it's like a entrepreneurial, like, DNA that's set into people or, you know, something triggers in someone's mind where they're like, shit, if I put in a lot of work and effort into this one thing, I can be successful down the road. So I'm kind of curious if you know, like, where your work ethic came from. I think that, you know... Uh... At the end of the day, so I think where it all began is, is, is like human beings are really motivated by only two things, right? It's the, uh, the, the desire and drive for pleasure or, you know, the desire and drive to get away from pain, right, to avoid pain. Um, and I, I certainly think that avoiding pain is a much bigger motivational force, um, you know, unfortunately in, in, in many instances. But... When I was a kid, it's like, I, you know, it's, it's a lot of the little uh, the things that I think a lot of kids deal with, which is, um, you know, I was like, for instance, you know, when, when it came to ball, I was always the shortest kid. I was the one that would, didn't get picked. I was scrawny, uh, you know, it's teased a lot. And then on, you know, the side of home, it was like, it was always, my mom would always be like, oh, like, you know, look, everybody else doing all this stuff. For, like, and you, you guys are not doing shit, right? Uh, pretty much. I mean, that's, you know, it's like shining a light on other people's great things. And it's like, ah, oh, but you, you, you're not really doing anything. Um, and so I think all the combination of all those different things. Um, and then for me also, it's like when, when we moved back to Slovenia, when, uh, when I was 11, um, my dad, you know, we, my dad continued to stay, basically he lost his job in, in England, started a company, but it was just like, it was really small. Like nothing was really happening. So he stayed there. We came back. So from the age of 11, I didn't really see my dad much because he would live in London for like, you know, four or five weeks, then come home for maybe, you know, five days, seven days. And and that was for the next, you know, 20 something years. So 25 years, I think. Um, and, and so I just basically was seeking significance. Like, and the thing is, the, you know, how do you do that? Well, when I was younger and, and it's like when it came to basketball, essentially what it was, it ended up being you know, working your ass off because you wanted to prove, uh, I would say other people wrong, right? Like, no, like I am, you know, I am worthy. I'm significant enough. Right. So I, I know for me, it started that I would practice hard because you had this desire to get away from the pain of being either not picked or bullied or said, you know, told you're not enough or whatever else. Right. Like, and so that's where it started. And, uh, and I think that, you know, I think sport is just a great, place to learn a lot of the right virtues. So, um, you know, when I, when I started playing ball, I ended up uh, going to this team called Olympia, which was the best in the country. And, you know, our coach was fucking pretty, I mean, ruthless. We're talking about like very disciplined, almost military, like, uh, you know, I mean, practices every day, like being on time. If you're not on time, you're punished and seven days a week when, you know, when school's out, most kids go to, uh, you know, on vacation, it's like, well, like I'd be doing two a days in the summers. Right. So, um, you know, that work ethic started being instilled, but it was always this drive to, to somehow be more significant, you know? And when I look back at life now, it's like, you know, I can actually see all these things that like a lot of my life was driven by significance because once again, too, you know, it, 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 it's the same thing that led me into, uh, 
you know, because I was involved in organized crime for, for, for quite a bit of time. And it's like same thing. You seek significance because you want to make money. You want to be important. You want to have power. And so that's where I think the work ethic started and uh, essentially, you know, kept, I would say, going because like, for me to be successful with basketball, it, I had to, you know, work my ass off 10 times more because, you know, kids were taller or faster, this, that, the other. Right. But I, I kept chasing that. Like, now I have to be significant. I may have to make it to starting five or so on and so forth. And so with years of that and being in an environment that breeds that. Right. Like, uh, I think part of it, too, is, you know, growing up in socialism. And like, that's just part of the culture. Like the you know, I would say the dirty work, the hard work, the uh, kind of the blue collar mentality. Um, and and so. That was instilled in me, you know, when I was younger, and, and, and sport was certainly a huge driving factor for that. So, you know, I started kind of learning that, like, hey, if I work really, really, really hard at this thing that I want, you know, I'll, I'll get it or I'll, it'll take me towards that direction because same thing. You know, I, I worked crazy hard, and I'd make the team, and i work crazy hard, and then, you know, I'd make the starting five, right? And uh, so that teaches you a lesson like, hey, you have to put in a ton of work, but you will, you know, you will get what you want. And um, so that started transferring over kind of like into every area of life. And, you know, basketball was, was certainly one of those things where I made it a, a put it this way, a long, I mean, pretty long way. I, I made it from, you know, middle school to high school to college to the pros, um, even then we had summer pro league in 2004 or five. And so it, you know, essentially it gets instilled in you, the work ethic part, the discipline part, um, you know, the resilience part of, of, of sport. And, you know, so for me, it's like when, when it, when it came to building a business, it was essentially, you know, much of the same, right. It much of the same as far as like, Hey, I got to put in the work. I got to, I got to, you know, work longer and harder than, than uh, everybody else because, you know, they might have an advantage or whatever, you know, and that was kind of this whole mentality the whole time as far as, um, as, as far as like business is the same as sport. I mean, it, it's the same thing, like as far as like the struggle, the overcoming obstacles, the, you know, figuring it out, like all those different things, uh, you know, I, I think are very, very parallel. So I, I'm very thankful for that process of going through, uh, you know, 15 years essentially of like working and struggling and, and overcoming in sport where that felt so natural. Now, when I started a business, uh, I, I got it, meaning I got it from a standpoint of, oh, shit, it's hard or you got injured or, you know, you got to make a comeback or, you know, you got to practice this because, you know, you, you got to be twice as good or twice as fast or whatever else than another player because he's got four or five inches on you. So, um I think that, you know, what's, what's awesome is that you can look into, you know, your life from the past and find these positive virtues that, you know, you've overcome, right? No, that was great. And I'm pretty sure at least half of my audience right now is probably pretty inspired just by listening to that last bit. But um, I'm kind of curious, like, if you had to give advice to someone listening that like listen to this podcast and they're like damn i want to be like luca i want to be as successful as him what would be like a couple takeaways that you would want to hammer home to someone seeking help to be just like you um 
I'll try to do three, like okay. kind of off the top of my head. But like, I mean, number one, uh, I would say, you know, imagine that like anything that you want, right, or anything that you want to achieve, there's usually somebody that's achieved it. Uh, and like, I would study those people. I mean, relentlessly. I mean, that's what I ended up doing. Is like, if hey, if you want to be great at coaching, cool. You know, buy books from the best coaches watch videos from best coaches, go to seminars of the best coaches, hire them as mentors, um, shadow them, you know, like do, I mean, literally like learn, apply, and then reflect on it. And, you know, course correct if you need to, but there's nothing better. There's nothing more powerful. Like to me, it's so crazy when, you know, when I see people not read books or listen to audio, whichever one, but you know, you can buy a book from somebody that's the best in that field and they put 20, you know, 20 years of research or everything they've, they know or everything they, they've, uh, you know, essentially everything that I would say the wisdom from not just the wins, but even more so the losses. Right. And, you know, having that wisdom passed down through a book or through a seminar, through audio, you know, and and in a book scenario, it's like 20 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever else it may be. And, you know, it's crazy that you can have that and, you know, for so little and like dig deep into their mind. Right. So like you can, you can basically go right now. And and the cool thing about it is you got YouTube, you got creative live, you got all these different things that, you know, are so affordable or free where you can go study people or, you know, people are very open to like, Hey, somebody got the best gym. Okay, cool. Can you intern there? You know what I mean? Can you, can you start training there? Like what, what, what is, and then, Obviously, you learn. You learn by doing, and you never stop that. You know. So point number one is, hey, like you have all you have success blueprints in front of you, right? To study, study them and then apply them. Um, you know, from the best. And number two is you got to fall in love with the process of stuff. Um, you know, when you chase things, it it put it this way. There's nothing wrong with it, like outcome goals, right? Like I. I want to have this many clients. I want to make this much money. I want to uh, lose this much, you know, weight or so on and so forth. There's nothing wrong with that because because there has to be something, you know, a big goal that's pulling you, um, and that big goal should be attached to something with meaning, something that's an anchor, that's something that has, uh, like I said, a lot of deep fulfillment for you, not just some surface, you know, sur- surface level bullshit. But, um, but then you have to you have to fall in love with the process. You have to fall in love with the behaviors. Um, you know, too many people, you know, look at this stuff and, and, and it's like, oh, when do I get there? When do I get there? Rather than like, how do I get better at this? Right. So the process is the work. It's the dirty work. It's the, you know, if you're a coach, it's like, Hey, understanding programming better, knowing internal and external cues and getting better at that, but getting better at communication, projecting your voice, knowing how to tell stories, right. The work, you know, if it comes to, I don't know, losing weight, it might be things like, you know, being better at preparing your meals and being, uh, you know, aware with tracking or having protein with every single meal and having, you know, veggies with every single meal. Like these are all skill sets, right? These are all habits that you need to develop. In business, same thing is like, you know, learning how to better market, like understanding social media or copywriting or email writing or, you know, uh, shooting video better so that, you know, you can get your communication across. That's the stuff, right? That's the work, the dirt, the the get your hands dirty stuff, right? And that's what you got to fall in love with because otherwise you just keep chasing these things and, you you know, when you get there, you have to chase another thing. Uh, and like I said, there's a purpose for outcome goals, which they're necessary, but um, 
you know, at the end of the day, like you really have to become, you know, to me, it's just like becoming an artist, you know, to me, the, the, the gym industry is an art, like being, having a gym, being a coach, those are all, you know, this is all art. Uh, and, and so is, so, so is everything else, like the car mechanics art, you know what I mean? If you, and if you take it like that, then you become curious and then you become so, you know, I, I would say process oriented. I would say, uh, to, for me, it's like obsessive. I'm, I'm pretty much obsessive about, uh, everything that has to do with fitness and fitness business. I want to be the best in the world at it. And then like, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to that process. I think too many people jump the gun and they think about like how, Hey, how can I get here faster? How can I, you know, versus, you know, being like, Hey, how can I become the best? Like, how can I become better than I was yesterday? How can I learn something more and then apply? How can I better help my clients out? Hey, how can I help this, you know, this person make more money like that? That's how you, you know, and th that's how you become, I would say a master at your craft, but also it's, it fulfills the intrinsic motivation. And if anybody's read drive by Daniel Pink, you know, where it talks about like humans, obviously, uh, you know, dangling the carrot is not the best strategy long-term, right? But we have this intrinsic motivation, which is a motivation, this inside motivation to get better, right? The, we're actually, full, if, I, if we get better, we get more fulfilled, right? Without getting anything other than getting better. And so that's why I think it's one of the big uh, big keys uh, to success. And, and the third one, which is connected to the second one, really is that it's going to take, you know, anywhere from five to ten times longer than you think. It's going to be five to ten times more work. It's going to be five to ten times more money and investment. Five to ten times more obstacles. And, you know, with that said, um, play the long game. Like, play the long game. Don't, you know, don't make decisions for what's best for today. Make decisions for what's best in the long run. Uh, I think that's how you build a successful perennial business. I think that's how you build anything worthwhile long term. Um, you know, where... Where, for instance, and I'll just give an example, but, um, you know, where I might, like, make a whole bunch of, for instance, we'll run a promotion, and we do uh, we do really good, and there's a lot of cash flow because of that promotion. And, you know, do you go, like, great, look at this, cool, I'm going to take more money out and spend it and, you know, uh, do some other dumb shit? Or do I reinvest it back into, you know, uh, into the gym, into the business, uh, into the quality of it, in the, into our our coaches, into um, you know what what what's going to serve our clients better down the line, right? That's now versus later, right? So now I take that money, I don't see it, I reinvest it, it's gone, but it's not really gone for something negative. It's gone for something that's going to reap benefits down the line, or you know, do I use it now? And it's it's pretty much the same thing as the you know short term, long term gratification. Uh, you know, the marshmallow test and, and all, uh, or I think, or was it a cookie test? I don't know what it's called, but, you know, basically it was uh, whoever has, you know, long-term gratification is always more successful than the people that have short-term gratification, right? And, um, and, and, and being prepared for that. Like, now, of course, you can never truly be prepared. But what I mean by that is just like if somebody's listening to this, just understand that, like, you know, when you were going to quit after it failed for the fourth time, well, be ready to make it, you know, have it be failed 50 times, 40 times, 30 times, whatever. Because I think in this day and age, what, what happens a lot is that, you know, people people will uh, essentially, like, quit really fast. Now, I'll give you an example of, of how that may look like in an analogy or something like that. But 
Um, if anybody studied like Pixar, Pixar that makes the animated movies, um, you know, like the, when they when they do the first rendition of an animated movie, like for instance, The Incredibles that that just came out, Incredibles two. Well, that one sucks, and they have to do 18 redos of the whole movie. 18. Think about this. That's why it takes years to do it, right? 18. The first one is absolute shit. That's how they see it, right? And then they keep working, working, working until the 18th one is like, all right, this is what we're going to put out. Uh, and it takes thousands and thousands and thousands of man hours and changes and like literally scratching things that somebody built from zero to that and then burning it down so that the next thing can be done, right? Now you think about that, like how many, how many frustrations and struggles go into making something beautiful and a masterpiece, right? And most people will quit at number two or three, Okay. That's the equivalent of that, right? Most people quit when the second or third rendition gets done. It's like, ah, oh, this shit's not going to work. We're just going to drop the project. And so, you know, that's how it goes for business. That's how it goes for uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, a serious body transformation. It's not like this linear growth and you just go through it. It's, it's a shit show. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what it is, you know. And, and so it's the same thing with business, right? It's not like a, this beautiful, like, checklist. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And, you know, if, if A, then B. Like, no. It's not like that. Um, and so, you know, understanding that it's going to be way harder and already kind of having that mindset like, hey, how many corners, you know, and I ask people, like, how many corners are you willing to turn? You know, and, you know, my, my answer has always been I'm willing to turn all the corners. I don't even have, you know, I don't give a shit if I'm failing a thousand times. Like, I'm going to keep going. Right? And then part of that keep going is what that mastery is, right? If you if you look back to all the legends all of any craft, I mean, and we're talking about the Leonardo da Vinci. We're talking about, you know, people that uh, did incredible work that we still know thousands of years later or hundreds of years later, right? Like it's it's people that were so dedicated to the craft. And many of them didn't even become famous until after death, you know, the uh, Pablo Picasso's or whatever else, right? Like, and so... You know, that thought process, you know, of mastery allows you to go for the long game and it allows you to beat everybody else because literally it's like you win if you just keep going longer. You know, I mean, like that's that's how that how life and business works. Man, I love the way you think. And I think this next question, you're probably going to be the only one that can answer this really well. And I'm really curious about it myself is what do you want your legacy to be after you're gone from this earth? Like, what do you want people to remember you by? I don't know. You know, that's always like one of those tough questions. That, yeah. I mean, I could give you like this really, really, you know, like scripted answer that I had written <laughs> down that would sound really good. Um, but, you know, I think this is always a battle because I think that all humans are kind of driven to, you know, to have, I mean, it's it's almost like, uh, at least in, like mentally and emotionally, that it fulfills you, right? To go, you know, is is it possible, you know, for me to leave something after I'm gone? Um, and I do believe that, you know, what, what what some people say is like, hey, when you're dead, it won't matter. Like even if everybody thinks that you're awesome, it won't matter, right? But like, the 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 whole point of it is is like, I do think that it makes your life more worthwhile, even thinking like that, right? Like. For instance, I do want to leave a legacy. My legacy, I mean, I have like some really, really, really big ideas. Um, I mean, it's like it starts with the goal of making this the number one gym in America. Uh, 
And like every day I wake up, like that's what I want to do and serve our clients to like, like the, the highest, highest, highest degree. And the thing is, because I, you know, I kind of dropped that notion of having multiple gyms. I mean, we have the one in Slovenia, but you know, I, I just consult for them and, um, I don't really do a lot of day-to-day stuff. Um, with that, I really am kind of just a guide and, and, and a support and a, and a mentor there. Um, like I, you know, I kind of dropped the idea of like, Hey, I'm going to have 10 gyms in Seattle or 15 or do worldwide. And, you know, now it's just like, I just want to have one. I want that to be the best in the world. And then I want to teach all the stuff that we're doing here almost in a lab like format because we do like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going so deep into everything, coaching, behavior change, social sciences, uh, you know, nutrition, like, you know, all the puzzle pieces that I believe in come with a transformation and become the best at that and then teach others that. And as well on the side of marketing and business and uh, positioning and all, uh, you know, customer experience and customer service, become the best at that as a small business and then teach that, right? Because you can only distribute so much energy. So to me, I'm like, I want to become the master of, of this and become the best in the world at it and then teach it to others so that they can, because if I can help somebody else, another gym owner, you know, go from 20 clients and, uh, uh, and barely, you know, barely being able to put bread on the table to 200 clients and having, a, you know, affecting and impacting a lot of people also making good money, right? That's now I can help thousands of coaches. And, you know, to this day, I've worked with hundreds, uh, you know, and in real time, actually, we're working with 60, 63 currently between training for warriors and, and my own consulting business. So it, it's like, that's my big goal is like, make something spectacular, the best, and then teach how others how to do that same thing. Um, you know, so that's one of the goals because that, that way I think, you know, essentially like I want to leave the, in, the uh, leave the industry better than when it was when I entered it. Um, then, you know, the other part of this is this whole community part, you know, is, um, I've, you know, I've, I've, I have a couple of buildings that I own, but like, I want to basically build a whole city, uh, you know, and call it Vigorville. I mean, essentially, but, but, you know, but it's this idea that like, if we change the environment, we can change people. Um, you know, environments trigger behaviors and my environments shape people. Like we shape our environments and then our environments shape us. And, you know, obviously things are not going in the right direction in America when it comes to health. Uh, you know, even though in the last 16 years, gym memberships have gone up 65%, um, you know, Men train double what they did uh, that long ago. Women train 60% more than they did that long ago. So America's working out actually more than ever um, and more than most other populations. And yet at the same time, uh, obesity is on the rise. You know, cardiovascular health is on the decline. Mental health is on the decline. It's just, I mean, it's really, really bad. And so that means something's not working. And I've, I believe I know what that is. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with... Uh, behaviors and, and, and habits and environments. And it's like, rather than going like, Oh, I'm going to go and change the world. I believe in changing our community. Right. I like, I believe in this. Like if we change one man, one woman, you know, we change a family. If we change a family, we change a community. If we change a community, we change a city. If we change a city, we change a state, change a state, we change the world, but it starts with one man and woman, you know? So my, that's my philosophy. Go from one man and woman to family to community, and that's kind of where we're at. Like, if we build a city and like next to bigger ground, I mean, inside we have physical therapy now, where you know we got a recovery room, cryo chamber, Fit Bar Cafe. Uh, I mean, you name it, right? But then, right across the street, there's a restaurant, like a healthy fast food restaurant. You know, a, 
a homegrown or something like that, right? And then next to it is a brunch spot, and then behind is a, a cafe with a cool, and uh, you know, with a cool co-working space, and then there's a spa, and then there's like you start creating this city that's interconnected that influences behaviors, and um, you know, and it's kind of like obviously a big kind of big idea, um, but I do, you know, I think it's possible, and it's like you know, people said a long time ago that what we're doing now is not possible, and yet we've, we're doing it, you know, and um. And so creating an environment that helps people transform in a positive direction. Uh, and then same thing, showing other people how they can do that same thing. Um, and, and also, you know, one of the things that we're really obviously involved in is charity. I've, I've always thought about, like, how we can do uh, something different, something that would kind of spread. And, and that's something we're working on right now. And, and, you know, in September, we're starting the scholarship program for um, inner city kids like uh, low-income housing uh, families. Uh, that couldn't afford it, and it's a mentorship program that is actual entrepreneurial mentorship, strength and conditioning, and boxing. Uh, and you know, I, I can't talk more about that until it's not what I believe uh, it can and will be. Uh, but once again, all of the things encompass creating something that helps others change positively, and then teaching that to others so they can do more of it. So that's my, you know, that's kind of like my purpose and my legacy is like. You know, show gym owners how to build the best gym, the best community, the best culture, and help as many people as possible. Um, you know, and then also, uh, you know, we're starting online. So teaching that, like, hey, here's how we did, you know, we went from, you know, one-on-one personal training, just me, you know, then running groups, then doing this, then doing that, to building a gym that, that's a, a literally a beacon in the community. It's not just like a gym we, we, we train people. It's a beacon in the community. Like, you're influencing the whole community in a positive way, not just with the training, but with the giving back, with the you know, creating events with teaching others, um, you know, with creating scholarship programs, like so, and then teach that to other fit pros so they can grow and they can do that because then we can multiply, right? And so that's kind of like the big idea, like is do something special in these fields, dive super deep and become the best and then show others how to do that. And then, like I said, hey, if I influence uh, a thousand coaches and each of them get to train a hundred more people, that's a hundred thousand people influenced, right? Like, or, but I, and I believe we can do that with millions. So that's, you know, I, I guess the quick explanation, <laughs> but, uh, hopefully it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it sheds some light on, on my, my thought process and my, my purpose. No, I love it. I love every bit of it. And because we're short on time, I'm going to make this as the last question. Cause you're like one of the best guests where they just talk forever and I don't even have to do anything, but, uh, where can people find you online? What projects do you have coming out and any other thing you want to plug on my show? You can do that right now. Um, let's see. Well, the, the best place definitely to find me is, uh, Instagram at Luca Hosevar, uh, which is L U K A H O C E V A R. Um, on the Facebook, obviously my, my personal account, but but beyond that is uh, Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance, the Facebook page. Those are the the, the most active, I would guess, social media accounts. Um, the website is vigorgroundfitness.com. Um, I have uh, there's there's another site being built right now that's going to be uh, the business coaching site. Like I said, I've done I've done business coaching for six years now, um, but it used to be a, a different company name, so we're kind of rebranding there, and and I already have an ongoing coaching program that, you know, people can inquire about, but, um, let me see what, what is coming up. I mean, there's, there, we have so much stuff coming up at vigor. So, uh, actually this next weekend, 
Saturday, uh, June 30th and July 1st, we have the steel, uh, honest steel mace, uh, certification at vigor the week after that, July 7th, Mark Rooney, uh, is at vigor for coaching greatness. Um, then, uh, we have, uh, August 11th and 12th on it foundation certification, September 8th and 9th. Uh, we have Dr. John Russin's pain free training seminar. Um, and so a lot of stuff always going on here at vigor. Uh, I would, I would actually, uh, bet that I, there is no other gym in the state that has as much, uh, continuing education as we do. Um, so there's always stuff going on there. Um, there's a couple of programs that I'm, I'm launching really, really soon. Uh, honestly can't really even uh, uh, give the names or anything, but one is a, a 90 day uh, kind of business coaching challenge uh, that, that uh, is coming up soon. Um, the, the Vigor Round Fitness Online uh, platform is going to launch in the next three to four weeks, which is going to be for you know people that cannot make it to, uh, to Vigor Round and live in other states. Um, we've built a whole app, a whole backend program, video courses. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty nuts and great. Um, but that's going to, that's going to be out soon. Uh, and I have, uh, something that I'm working on for the gym owners. Um, and it's, uh, it's going to be, let's just call it, it's going to be called flying Friday. Uh, and it's going to involve the, uh, an intense eight hour day, uh, for groups of 10 or less, uh, business coaching at vigor. Um, and like I said, it's a flying Friday, flight of vigor, get the experience, get to get the train. Um, we're going to go deep. Um, with uh we're gonna go deep with the um i would say with the a to z of, of running a fitness business and, and how to grow it. awesome so thank you so much for your time this was amazing that was my, my pleasure man okay so that's gonna wrap up episode 148 with luca hopefully you enjoyed that one as much as i did luca is an amazing individual and if you guys are in the seattle area during September, I highly recommend you go check out the conference with Dr. John Russin, who I also had on the show. And I decided, you know what? Hell, I'm going to go down to Seattle for that seminar and uh, personally give Russin and uh, Luca their own very own uh, Cut the Shit Get Fit t shirts, which, by the way, will be available really, really soon. So if you want to snag one before. I end the availability to purchase one. I highly recommend you keep up to date with every single episode because I will post a link in the show notes as well as on my Facebook. And again, for those who are avid listeners, feel free to reach out, add me on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you got to do. And that's it for me for this week.